Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. Newcastle United travelled down to Huddersfield this Saturday looking to get back to winning ways. Of course, they were defeated by Wolves last weekend in a last-minute heartbreaking 2-1 defeat. I'm joined by Lee Ryder to discuss Newcastle United, injury news, Huddersfield Town and the key players that could give the Magpies a scare. I'm Andrew Musgrove. This is Everything is Black and White Podcast brought to you in association with eToro. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. Newcastle head down to Huddersfield, down to the John Smith Stadium. In need of a win, I'd say. I'm joined here by Lee Ryder, who will be heading down with uh, our NUFC writer, Chris Woff. They do need a win, don't they? I mean, you know, they were unlucky against Wolves, mm-hmm. but uh, really going into this period and um, that they've got during Christmas, my United on the horizon on, on New Year's, well, not New Year's Day, the, the second, sorry. You know, they really do need a win mm. going into the Christmas mm. period. Well, they do. They're now at a stage where they're actually looking to recover points because they lost the last two home games. So as good as a point it was at Everton, uh, you know, losing to West Ham and Wolves has, has put them up against it. They're now two points worse off than they were at the same 16-game stage last year. So they're not too far away, but, you know, they can't really afford to get into a rut now and they need to to get something at, um, at Huddersfield and then hopefully beat Fulham and that would ease the tension going into Liverpool and Watford away which are two very hard games. It's been noted that Newcastle's away form obviously is much better this season than their home form. Um, I think they've only lost two away um, on the roads. Obviously drawing Everton was, was a result that not many expected given that I think Everton's side cost nearly uh, four times more than Newcastle's did. Um probably even more than that actually but is that is that a factor I mean you are you obviously follow them home and away is it, can you see a marked difference on the road to to what you see up at St James's Park well I think Rafa Benitez goes into every game with a plan to to win and I know they don't always get the wins but he he told me a, a long time ago he said look there's no game where I set up and hope for a point he says I, I set up going for a win in a particular way, whether it's a defensive formation. And if they don't get the win, then obviously the point is, is a good enough result, he said, but he never sets up to, uh, to to 
get a draw and he won't certainly go Huddersfield doing that because he knows that you know they are beatable they've lost the last three games it's a real opportunity to to get something out of it um, I think from his point of view Everton was a good point but they haven't backed it up in, in the home games around that so that, that that's what puts the pressure on this game a little bit no, definitely I mean a lot was kind of mentioned about kind of the man management maybe on on Sunday obviously it wasn't helped with the fact that Yedlin got sent off so that meant that the subs that he probably would have brought on or the, the way they would have played the likes of Kennedy was 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 different um, but you know a lot of people criticising Kennedy for, for, for trying to go through on goal instead of taking to the corner Jocelyn didn't have the best of cameo appearances uh, how will Benitez be taking maybe the, the negatives that were projected onto those players uh, into this game and hopefully turn them into positives well I mean one thing he, that Rafa doesn't do is he doesn't dwell on certain situations and you know he certainly won't be tearing strips out of the players he'll be he'll be looking to rectify mistakes uh, everyone gave Lascelles um, a hard time over the weekend and to be fair he was really poor in terms of marking for the first goal second goal I'm a bit more sympathetic towards him I think he did well in some ways to stand up Yotta and you know try and get him on his wrong foot I think the blame lies elsewhere with the goal uh, in that Kennedy as you mentioned you know didn't play in a gamesmanship type of way uh, and then not tracking back was was a pretty big mistake which led to obviously Wolves ultimately getting the winner uh, and you know it's a bit suspect Matt Ritchie as well like the, the, his his kind of posture on the goal where he's kind of just standing there not not fully focused and it was just a poor goal all round there's no good way of dressing it up but I don't particularly blame Lascelles entirely for, for one mistake I think there's others that have to if they're honest if they're all honest players they'll put their hand up and say yes I could have done better in that situation and Kennedy certainly could have done better if we turn them into positives and it'll be looking at what went wrong and, and, and making sure laying it home that you know if you're on the pitch mm. you, and your role is say on the wing you've got to track back and help regardless especially of, when you've just come on yes so. and regardless if it's 11 men or 10 men you know, yeah. you've got you, that, you know yeah. because we've seen that before one yeah. of the things that impressed me with Kennedy last season was that actually he was as good going forward as he was tracking back, you know. Yeah. And that's something that we see in Matt Ritchie as well. Yeah. It just happened that on Sunday. It didn't quite work out, but you would imagine a week of training, yeah. looking at the tapes and the videos and DVDs that Benitez has of the games, you know, yeah. it's no secret that's what he does. He gets the players to watch them. Yeah. We would expect a mark improvement. Yeah, I mean that's he will have had them in the the war room. That's what they call it down at the training ground. They'll have been going over each clip and each each piece of play. Um, and he has individual meetings with players as well. He'll he'll drag them in and show them a clip and just basically get the, get to the bottom of it and just say, right, why why did you do that or why didn't you do this and. Um, he just tries to iron out little mistakes and I, I think that's exactly what Newcastle. Probably need that's the same manager the need at the minute. You know, Rafa doesn't look at the in the past you've had people like Pardew who reacts to the noises around the city and what's being said by the fans and all that kind of stuff. And he has he overlooked like little individual things and trying to sort things out. And uh, Rafa Benitez kind of because he's experienced he's been at Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Napoli, all these big clubs where there's loads of pressure. That doesn't phase him all all the general pressure that comes with management he's able to sit down and technically 
um, you know, pick faults with certain things and, and look to rectify them, as I say. No, most certainly. But I mean, we're positives to take from Sunday. I know we've, we've covered it quite extensively in the past two podcasts, but the positives that you can take into Saturday's game, I mean, the likes of um, you know, Key Modi Army again, they look quite solid in, in the centre. Rondon, I mean, again, a, a, an absolute brilliant performance. I mean, for a man who he'll be the first to admit, you know, he's quite a stocky player. Yeah. He doesn't half get about the pitch. Yeah, he puts himself about. Um, he's not the fastest, but he certainly, uh, you know, works within his capabilities. Um, I think he had a great game and then obviously came off because he literally just ran out of steam. Uh, that, that's the way I, I, I judge that situation. Um, you know, had the full-time whistle gone and it was 1-1, I think that would have been a great point and I think would have been talking about some great performances because it was it was going all right. Uh, it was just the, the the whole red card through everything and uh, sadly Newcastle couldn't hold on to that point in the end. Do you think that it's going to be one of those results where it has a knock-on effect or will Benitez be saying, look, let's concentrate on the positive situation, you know, last minute winner they didn't really deserve that like you say it doesn't dwell on things so is that the message you'll be giving to the players heading down uh, the M62 on, on Saturday yeah he'll just be saying go again uh, you know you look at you look at the Everton game for example uh, there was no knock on effect from West Ham they went out there they were focused on that night and they, they got things right in a, in a lot of respects uh, and they emerged with a very good impressive point now it's a bit different they've got to uh, they've got to Go down then. This is more of a relegation battle where the maybe the pressure's a little bit more on Newcastle than it is on Huddersfield. Huddersfield are just uh, living some kind of fairy tale at the moment. You know what I mean? It must be brilliant for their fans. It reminds me a little bit of when Newcastle got promoted in 1993, and it was just one big adventure, which you know eventually led to another fairy tale, which was getting into Europe at the first attempt. Um, but their fans will just be on cloud nine. They'll be enjoying every game. They won't be getting too down about certain results. Um, I mean, dare I say, even if even if they eventually get relegated, I don't, you know, it wouldn't be as disastrous to them as it would be to to maybe a Newcastle because really at the moment Newcastle are de- dependent on on staying up in terms of. Uh this is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Keeping the interest in the takeover going because if they go down then you just don't know who whose hands the the club could end up in then you know because then there would be a cheaper outfit um and you I always worry about what happened at Leeds United um when when they went down and they had some terrible owners uh and you just hope Newcastle don't go down that slippery slope no more certainly um I just want to ask you about Jocelyn because uh when he came off the bench 
to replace Rondon. Uh, he just, even in the first few moments, he just looked like a man bereft of total confidence. And we know the opinion of, uh, of I'd say, the majority of fans that, you know, he isn't, or in their opinion, a Premier League striker. I think we've all said it, you know, if, if it was different and Benitez had a budget to spend, um, you know, Jocelyn wouldn't be in that side. But mm. right now, he, you know, he has got Jocelyn. I mean, how do how does Benitez take Jocelyn aside and, and try and boost that confidence? Because, I mean, you would say that only changes if he gets goals. Yeah. But you can't see him getting ahead in the head of the team against Rondon if Rondon stays fit. Yeah. So, I mean, because if, if it is, say, 1-1 with 20 minutes to go on, on Saturday or they're 1-0 down, the likelihood is that he will th- throw on Jocelyn. But if you're throwing on a man who's bereft of confidence, I mean... How are you going to get the benefit of that? To be honest, I think a man, a man manager like Rafa Benitez will will know exactly what's going on around, and it's like any great any great man manager um, will will come up to you and tell you, um, "Don't worry about anything anybody else is saying." He's saying, "What I, I'm saying that I value you, um, I'm saying that I rate you." So that's all you have to listen to. You only have to listen to what I'm saying. Um, and ignore everything else, and then that when when it's simplified like that, it's the same in any walk of life. If someone's criticising you or being underhand or whatever, as long as you've got the confidence of your leader, that's all you need, and you just crack on and push on, and, and that's exactly what Hossler will be doing at the minute. Fingers crossed. On to Huddersfield, they lie 18th in the Premier League, just three points behind Newcastle. Amazingly, looking at the table, Cardiff or somehow <laughs> above Newcastle, above Cardiff. Uh, sorry, above Huddersfield. They've had an amazing... Very tight uh, down there. It is. I mean, we've, we we look down at the bottom team and it's it's, it's full on nine points. Uh, Cardiff on 14 and then you've got a, a six-point gap up to Brighton on 13. But I, I hate to use the word must win. Yeah. But if Newcastle lose this, you know, they'll be level on points with Huddersfield uh, with a better goal difference. But... You don't want to be losing this no. game against Huddersfield. No, definitely not. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. It does, it does very much feel in the realms of a must-win fixture. Um, but it's also, as you say, a must-not-lose. So a point, I think if you went around the city now and you asked people, would you take a point at the weekend? A lot of people would say yes, because it just keeps keeps you chugging along, keeps it, puts another point on the board, means that they don't get another couple of points. Whereas... As far as Huddersfield are concerned, I'd say they're, they're a bit of a crazy team for me because they just don't care. They just go go for a victory in every game. If they don't get it, fine, they move on to the next one. Uh, and I just I just do fear that they will be going for that high press, the Dortmund style of play that they use, and it is a bit of a worrying. So a point, a point wouldn't be a bad result, really. I guess a plus uh, in terms of engine use is that Aaron Moy will be missing. He's out ruled out of February. So, I mean, that is a longer term plus for the teams down there because Moy is very much a, a, a player who I believe Newcastle were even interested in at one point. Yeah, He's Rafa an impressive player. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that's a huge boost to, to be facing a Huddersfield side without a man of his, his talents. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a big, it's a big boost, but it's one where Newcastle, this is where Newcastle's um, more capable players have got a really step up to the plate and you know make it their day rather than whoever comes in instead of Moy make it being their day if that makes sense I just think that you know we're looking now for the service 
for Rondon to, to be tip top. Uh, it's a shame we haven't got someone like Rondon across to himself after got, that assist. That was a fantastic cross uh, and great awareness that he's taking the free kick, it's hit the bar. A lot of players would be over dramatic and be having their heads in their hands and dwelling on, you know, how unlucky they were, but not him. He just rolled his sleeves up, sprinted out, got the ball in, great cross. And Perez, um, you know, headed home. Just a shame that the day didn't get any better for Perez after that, after getting elbowed out of the game. And he just didn't seem to be able to recover from it. He, he felt hard done by. He didn't shrug it off. And that's probably, you know, a lack of experience around the team where you do maybe need an Alan Shearer type figure who takes you to one side and says, don't worry about that, forget it, it's gone, move on, try and get another goal because that's the best way to reply. But there doesn't, they seem to lack a player. I mean, you're not going to, I've said a million times, you're not going to get an Alan Shearer uh, just just like that because, you know, he's a very special world-class talent. But they do need leaders where they, you know, who actually talk a good game and it coaxes our performance from other players. They haven't really got that at the moment. No, certainly not. I mean, but you look at this Huddersfield side and it isn't, disrespect to them isn't one that Newcastle really should fear. I mean, even given Newcastle's lack of quality and, and depth, there's yeah. not really anyone that stands out and you go, oh, well. I mean, you maybe look at Pritchard, £13 million signing. Uh, he has impressed in stages, but you know, hardly set the world alight. I mean, Congolo, who I think is 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 a second most expensive uh, record signing in the defence there. But again, no one that really stands out and you, you go, well, Newcastle should be wary of them. Or, I mean, or is there? Is that, I mean, that's just my opinion. Is there anyone that stands out for you? Not for me. I mean, I'm not I'm not fearful of too many of those names that you've, you've read out. And, you know, they just, they just, as I say, a team who are in a bit of a fairy tale stage and they're enjoying their life in the Premier League as long as it lasts. Uh, really, Newcastle, you know, I, I hope... The, it's a bit like the championship game there a couple of years ago where Newcastle went down there. They kept it really tight and they really hit them on the counter and they got the three points, which was a real turning point in the season because it, it helped you know, helped eventually win the league because they won it by a very, a very tight margin. So this year they might stay up by a tight margin so they cannot really afford to lose this game. Do you see Benitez going back to five at the back? I know he'd be missing Yedlin. So he might not even have the personality of that, potentially missing Fernandez as well. But we should see Dummett back. Um, he was training last week, just wasn't a judge to be fit enough yeah. for the game against Wolves. I mean, what's your take? Will it be back to five? I think it will. Um, I think, you know, was it Evan, was it Burnley? And that didn't work out too badly. They're not, obviously not bad away from home. But uh, yeah, I think they will go for like a conservative type of approach. And hopefully, you know, as I say, on the counter, they do take their chances. Uh, he hasn't really got too many options. As you say, suspensions are cutting in. Injuries are starting to cut in. Uh, you know, hope Fernandez is going to be okay, but not not guaranteed. Shelby looks uh, unavailable. So, yeah, someone's going to have to step up. Still too early, you think, for Florian Lejeune. You watched him earlier this week in the in the in the uh, under twenty three games mm. uh, game. I mean, first of all, how did he? How did he do? Yeah, he done really well. Uh, he basically, you know, encouraged all the younger players around him, but also, sure, you know, he looked so fit for a guy who'd not played for such a long time. He looked really fit, and uh, basically, the way 
he, he led by example. He didn't he didn't say too. He said little bits and pieces to different players, but he didn't say too much. You couldn't. He wasn't massively vocal, but it was just little words of advice in in the ear. Um, and thankfully, he come through that forty five minutes. That was always part of the plan. Uh, will he be in the squad this weekend? Touch and go. Rafa knows he's fit. But he just doesn't want to risk him, and you know, sadly, there's no there's a reserve game on Friday, but it's away at Southampton, so I don't know if they would be sending him down there uh, for that. I don't know if it's appropriate. Um, he might just he might just give him another week and then put him in the squad against Fulham, but you never know with Rafa. I mean, if Fernandez is injured um, and Lejeune isn't fit, mm. I mean, does he look to maybe the under twenty three to bring? A defender on because I know I think the point was made after the Wolves game that if, if Paul Dummett wasn't fit and he didn't have the option of Scher or Lejeune then why didn't he bring in maybe Stefan O'Connor who you know we've both seen him you know he's he's not done too badly mm. um, of course the step up is, is huge from the under-23s but mm. wouldn't it have been better to maybe have an under-23 defender who's you know in g- good form on the bench? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to imagine a, a youngster coming in at the minute, but Rafa Benitez is like, he's very wary. I mean, look at the long stuff situation. You, you've got to wait until that time's exactly right. I mean, I, I would be amazed if you put someone like Stefan O'Connor in uh, at this stage. Uh, I think really the FA Cup third round will probably be the day for that sort of thing where debuts are handed out for younger players. Um, the the rough and tumble of the Premier League, probably in the eyes of Rafa, isn't the um, environment he wants to, you know, ch- chuck them in. Especially um, in a relegation zone, I guess. Um, do we see any changes being made anywhere else up the pitch? I mean, you, you see Kennedy starting from the off, maybe Muto coming in for Perez. I mean, what's your take? Are you, are you expecting Benitez to, to ring the changes at all? I think he'll make tweaks. I don't think he'll make too many changes. I think uh, maybe Murphy might get a place be drafted back in and get a place on the bench um, I think it was a bit hard probably a bit hard done by unless unless there's a really big reason that we've all missed uh, I think it was probably hard done by not to be involved again after Everton because that was a great run and cross and he had a quite steady steady outing um, but Rafa's just he's so clever in terms of keeping people on the toes and he's I mean he's got seriously he's got someone like Sean Longstaff at the moment to a point where they're absolutely ravenous to get that that taste of first team football. He's had him on the bench about six times now. He's got him warming up in Premier League games. He knows he's right on the cusp of getting that Premier League debut. And, you know, he'll just have him fighting on, on the training field to, to, to go out there and do the business. Um but, you know, hopefully for all the young players they will get the chance eventually, but you'd like you'd hope that it, uh, it comes where, when the, they've got a decent amount of points in the bag. Definitely. I mean it's just a word on Christian Atsu, I thought he had a very good game against Wolves. He's Best game probably for a long time when Newcastle United shirt. It's good even in this situation when Newcastle are fighting relegation that you know these players who are on the fringes of the first yeah. team are stepping up and, and and making the most and, and and taking their chance when it's given because Benitez has got a decision to make on Saturday. Does he bring Kennedy back in um, and, and drop Atu to the bench? Yeah, I mean, you could say Kennedy doesn't doesn't warrant a start after you know failing to do his job. He got, only got a small job on Sunday to do, and he didn't do it. He didn't track back, and ultimately it cost Newcastle a very valuable point. So whether Rafa makes his point on that uh, by dropping him, 
I don't know, but then the day the danger is is that the bigger picture is if if Rafa Benitez was to stay, um, then he's going to rely on you know keeping people like Kennedy happy because uh, then the day you know Kennedy's only on loan here, you don't want to you don't want to upset him too much because you'll you'll just you know sack off the idea of coming to Newcastle and you you don't want in the long term you would rather have him as a you know cup price signing at the end of his contract than him choosing somewhere else but yeah I mean it's one of them where he's obviously a good player because he's at Chelsea Chelsea are interested he's he's done well we've seen the very best of him we've seen the worst of him and it's it's Rafa's man management that's got to just continue just coaxing that performance out of him every week no more certainly Um, Huddersfield do we look at Huddersfield as a kind of market where Newcastle have failed over the last 10, 11 years, or should I say where Mike Ashley has failed? Because when Mike Ashley took over that season, he obviously bought the club in the May, that season uh, Huddersfield were 15th in League One, um, the season Newcastle finished 5th in the Premier League, uh, Huddersfield were promoted to the Championship in 4th position after winning the playoffs. And here we are, where a win for Huddersfield would put put them level on points. They've spent more in the summer than Newcastle. Hmm. Do you look at it? And, and I mean, we, we could see that for the last few weeks. We look at West Ham, we look at Wolves. Um, but is this the one where you look at and you, you think, have we got to this stage? I just think the difference between the, the two sort of chairmen, if you like, I mean, obviously Mike Ashley's the owner, but he's ultimately the man in control compared to the guy at Huddersfield. They know that I mean, if you look back to when Huddersfield won the playoff at Wembley and the camera kept going on uh, their chairman uh, and, you know, he looked like he was absolutely elated that they won the Premier League, it wouldn't have been necessarily uh, elation because he was going to the Premier League. It would have been relief because if they had of, they th- they've thrown quite a lot of money at this and had they not been promoted, they'd have, you know, taken a big hit financially. So they were desperate to get that Premier League money um now the obviously they want to stay there but if they go down they'll obviously have the the parachute payments so the Newcastle Newcastle's owner just a little bit longer in the tooth now um and she doesn't want to spend too much just wants to cut his cloth accordingly the the two very contrasting um owners if you like but really Huddersfield doing it as 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 well as they, they could do they're probably punching to the way that they're at I would imagine at the moment but sadly the days of when Newcastle got promoted in 1993 as much of a fairy tale as that was and as much as it's a fairy tale now for Huddersfield where they are Newcastle threw a lot of money at the start Blackburn Rovers in that era also threw a lot of money and ended up winning the title um, I mean imagine when you know when Newcastle signed Alan Shearer paid 15 million world record imagine Newcastle doing that now that would be like someone like Harry Kane the England's number nine sort of thing so that would be like 200 million Newcastle nowhere near being able to do that because they would they would probably bankrupt them if they spent 200 million on a player so it's different levels no definitely um, just to round off with a few stats then and Huddersfield have won just two out of the 13 uh, last games against Newcastle although they did win 1-0 last season if they win on Saturday it's their first 
uh, consecutive home victory since 1955. Uh, many Newcastle United fans will be um, probably saying, well, typical Newcastle. <laughs> we'll probably will get that consecutive win for the first time in, what is that, many, many decades. I'm going to try and add it up off the top of my head. Um, an interesting one that Huddersfield lied top of the table for the amount of defeats from the beginning of last season. Newcastle are second, 29-27. I suppose that in a way shows just what a great job Benitez has done. Well, yeah, he's, and he's done it on limited resources, hasn't he, really? He's like, I mean, he's been outspent by the majority of Premier League teams. The wage budget's right at the bottom of the table as well. It's just, you know, it's just peak Mike Ashley, basically, isn't it? That trying to do things on the cheap, um, which he's no no stranger to. He, yeah, he does. He sustains businesses like he's he's doing, but he does it in a, a, a quite a, a, a an unusual way. Is probably the best way to put it. But really, now Newcastle they go into this next January window, and they're just all over the place in terms of uncertainty. So. How 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 what what I'm basically saying here is, is how much longer can Rafa Benitez do it and keep his sanity? We're going to try and stay away from from takeovers and transfers, but it is obviously the subject that everybody really kind of wants to know. So, Lee, just briefly, can you just give us your latest understanding on 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 any transfer or, or takeover um, stuff that you you know that you have and that is going to go on our website uh, imminently? Well, basically, Rafa. Benitez is still waiting for an update on exactly how much he's got to spend in January. As far as the takeover is concerned, obviously new claims today that a deal in principle have been agreed. Obviously, we checked that out with the club this morning, club sources who are saying, you know, there's nothing that in the pipeline in terms of a deal ready to go. Ashley still waiting for everything to, to drop into place, waiting for that satisfactory scenario where we can say yeah okay I'm happy with that all of that there you go there's the keys we're not we don't doesn't feel close to that are we getting closer to it well things are progressing but it's going to be the onus really now is on the um on the the ones that have put the bids in um the onus probably now is really on Peter Kenyon uh has he got everything he needs to make this takeover a reality obviously he's got that consortium together but have they got the funds to take Newcastle on that next level, which is what Ashley is asking for. He wants proof that whoever comes in is going to be able to do a lot more than he can. With a consortium, um, you just wonder, have they got the money to plough into the January window? Have they got the money to plough in the summer window and give Rafa Benitez a contract he wants? The look, they're coming in to look to make a profit, otherwise they wouldn't be here. But realistically, how much have they got at their disposal? And if they do come in, maybe we shouldn't expect miracles in January because uh, we, we don't know exactly what the plans are. We don't know what the plans are of Kenyon. We don't know if they want to keep Rafa. There's a lot of questions to be answered. So, yeah, it's I know it's frustrating for the fans. It's frustrating for the journalists, isn't it, as well? Uh, we're all sitting here waiting for news. But at the end of the day... <laughs> Sometimes you have to wait and see what who comes in and and what the plan's going to be because you know Rafa Benitez will want exactly the same as he's asking for from from Mike Ashley. Um, he'll want assurances, and if they can't provide them assurances, then you know more questions come up. So 
yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We're covering every base as we can. We'll certainly try to guide people the best way we can uh, because, you know, there's some stories this morning saying it was almost on the brink. Well, that, we've checked that out and that's not the case. So, yeah, we're not trying to wind anyone up. We're just trying to make sure everyone knows what ex- the exact situation is. But as I said on uh, previous podcasts, if, if and when a takeover gets done, it'll just be bang, one statement out there, and no one will be talking about who got the story first or who didn't get it. It'll be none of that. The people will be like, right, who are the new owners? What can they do for the club? Are they going to keep Rafa? Are they going to spend any money? Uh, and until that situation arises, then you know it very much is a game of patience. Definitely, and we'll keep you up to date, of course, with all the latest Cast Night news on chroniclelive.co.uk, including Rafa Benitez's press conference tomorrow and uh, live match coverage of Huddersfield versus Newcastle United on Saturday. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. I've been Aaron Musgrove, joined by Lee Ryder. Thank you very much. Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts.